We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Happy NFL Draft Day, everybody. How you doing? Welcome to a semi-abbreviated version of Talking Buffalo Podcast. I am your host, Patrick Moran. You can follow me on Twitter, at Pat Moran Tweets. Like I said, a semi-abbreviated version of this podcast. Going solo today. Got some points that I want to hit on leading up to the NFL Draft, which of course begins tonight and runs through Friday and Saturday. I want to run down the 10 most realistic, and this is my opinion anyway, the 10 most realistic Buffalo Bills draft prospects. These are the 10 guys that I think you're most likely to hear Roger Goodell call on tonight, actually. Not necessarily for the record, so we're clear here. These are not necessarily my 10 favorite prospects per se, but these are 10 guys that I think very much are in play for the Buffalo Bills with that first pick, whether that ends up being 30, whether they end up moving up a handful of spots, or whether they move back a handful of spots. Regardless, 10 guys I think have an excellent chance of becoming a Buffalo Bill before this night is over, or maybe into early Friday, should they trade down. So that's one thing we're going to cover. After that, I just want to spend a couple minutes and discuss what I've learned through doing six mock drafts over the last six Wednesdays with Aaron Quinn from Cover One. He's been on the podcast, and we've done a different version each week. Some trades were allowed. Some trades weren't. A couple times we moved up. We never moved back. We had the option of moving back, but we never moved back once in six weeks. But anyway, I'm going to discuss a couple of things that I think I've learned by watching how the board has unfolded with certain prospects. So we'll do that. Then I got a couple, I think anyway, Buffalo Bills questions that are going to be answered 
over these next three days with the draft that involves current roster players. So we'll answer a couple of those Bills questions. And then we'll end it with a couple of NFL and Buffalo Bills draft predictions that I have. So that's the format for today. Don't want to waste any more time here at the top. Let's just get rolling right now. So let's start. These are 10 guys that I think the Buffalo Bills absolutely could be in play to take starting tonight. Number 10, Caleb Farley. And I only say his name for one reason, one reason only, and that's injuries. This is a top 10 talent, top 15 at worst. Were enough for injuries, there'd be no chance the Bills would be in play for him. However, that's not the case. Caleb Farley has been off injured during his college career. An ACL tear back in 2017. He's had back problems for a couple years now, a couple surgeries. Has not played since 2019. He opted out this past year, get ready for the NFL draft. So because of that, I think he could fall on the board. And I'm not saying, Brand, I don't know. I'm not saying Brandon B would be interested in drafting Caleb Farley. But if he gets up to the mid-20s or even 30, <laughs> I think you got a decision to make because if you think this guy can stay healthy, he's a top corner. He's a CB1 in the NFL. Talent-wise, potentially, great player. So I think he's in the mix only because of the injuries. I'm going to stick with the position at number nine, and I'm going with Eric Stokes, a corner from Georgia. I don't think he's a sexy pick by any means, but I think he's a cornerback that probably falls in that late first round to early second round range. Six foot one. He's an outside corner. And I've seen him go to the Bills in some mock drafts recently, including uh, Joe Marino, who just was on cover one. Matter of fact, Aaron and I mocked uh, Eric Stokes to the Bills once. I can't remember if it was version two or three. I think it was two. But we definitely had him going to Buffalo once. I think he's in play. Um, I think, again, just like Caleb Farley, Talent-wise, I think he could be a significant upgrade over Levi Wallace in a relatively short amount of time. So that's my number nine. Number eight, I'm going to go with a big man, a defensive tackle from Alabama, Christian Barmore. Dude is six foot five, 310 pounds, and he's got some versatility. He's a three-tech guy, but he could also play the one. I could envision him and Ed Oliver pretty intriguing together, man. He can do some good things together. A lot of talent there. And we know that Sean McDermott loves him some defensive lineman to rotate in and out of the lineup. He's probably the second defensive tackle that'll go off the board. And right around that 30 range, when you match a need, maybe not so much a need for right now, but long-term for the Bills and the, the position and, and the value, it just makes good sense. So I got Christian Barmore at eight. At number seven, this guy might be one of, if maybe even the most intriguing player for me anyway, on this entire list. And that's offensive lineman Landon Dickerson from Bama. Because I'm going to tell you right now, were it not for the injuries, he may be number one on this list. I love Landon Dickerson's game and I love the fit football-wise for him and the Buffalo Bills. The guy's a center and a guard. He reminds me a lot of Eric Wood. Good player, a versatile guy who could play guard or center. Because if you remember when Eric Wood was first drafted, I, I think it was 2009, he initially played guard his first year. So I see a lot of Eric Wood in this guy. Great player, a leader, a team leader, a captain. I could see a situation where 
He could come in, probably instantly start at right guard ahead of Feliciano. Ultimately, he could take over the center position because I think Mitch Morris, this is probably because of his contract, going to be his last year on this team. Football-wise, it's just an awesome fit, man. Perfect fit. But just like with Caleb Farley, there's, there's concerns because of the injuries. Major ones, too. I mean, this guy's had a bunch of injuries. Uh, ACL tear last year. Injuries before that. Ankle problems. Big injury risk. That said, though, given that the fact that he could fall to 30, because I think this guy is, without question, a top half of the first round pick if, if he didn't have the, the red flags for injuries. I wouldn't be shocked at all if Brandon Bean pulled that trigger at 30. And again, if he's healthy, if he checks out, and we don't know, and frankly, the Bills probably don't know because, I mean, Brandon Bean has talked about this, man. COVID and the not having the combine and not the ability to get these players in and out and get the medicals that they would in a normal year. It's a little bit of a guessing game. So I think there's a lot of teams that are not going to be willing to guess, not willing to roll the dice. I'm not saying Brandon Bean's going to, but man, football-wise, this is a great spot and a great, a great fit. So for that reason, I got Landon Dickerson, and he's on my list at number seven. Moving on to number six, we're going to go back to cornerback. I got Greg Newsom the second corner from Northwestern. Let me say this so you understand it very well. This dude ain't going to be on the board at 30, all right? Not happening. The reason why I got him on this list and I have him at six is because I think the Bills could be very serious about getting a talented corner. And if that's the case, he's one of the top four corners. The Bills would have to move up. They're not getting him at 30. I think they would have to move up into probably the early 20s to get him, which might cost them a third rounder and maybe a little late round swap, something along those lines. I think this kid could be worth it, which again, this is not me telling you what I necessarily think of these players. I'm, I'm trying to think like the bills are thinking realistic guys. And if the bills really want that cornerback, that second lockdown corner, this could be your guy. You got Patrick Sertain a second. You got JC Horn. Those two cats are going to be gone in the first 15 picks. I'd be willing to bet my life on it. After that, you got Caleb Farley and Newsom. I think those are your third and fourth best corners. Maybe Farley's a little more gifted, but we just talked about the injury risk. Newsom's a pretty clean player. So I can see the Bills moving up and getting him. That would solve a lot of problems. You got Trey White. You got Greg Newsom the second. Man, I like that a lot. And I think the Bills would too. So Greg Newsom is number six for me. Moving on to number five, this is the defensive end and a little bit more of a developmental guy. Gregory Rizzo, defensive end from Miami. Kid's got really good size. The kid has a lot of untapped potential. I think if the Bills are truly committed to getting a defensive end early in this draft, and but they don't want to move up from 30 and give up a lot to move up more than a couple spots. I think this kid realistically could end up being the pick because there's a couple defensive ends that I think are gone for sure. Jalen Phillips is going to be gone for sure. I think uh, Aziz Ojolari should be gone for sure. And I think Quiddy Pay 
from Michigan. I think those three guys are going to be gone for sure. Then it's a matter of a couple other guys who could go or they could be there. This is one of those guys I think that's there at 30. I know a lot of people are going to hear the name and they're going to look at mock drafts and they're going to look at the draft network and CBS Sports and they're going to look at the prospect rankings and they're going to conclude that this is more of a second round guy. Could be. But if the Bills are committed to this position early, this could be the guy. I think realistically. Which, by the way, if the Bills were to take him, don't count on this kid coming in and getting eight sacks as a rookie. Likely not going to happen. He's more, like I said, on the developmental side. And we'll talk about this a couple times throughout this list. I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Because right now, as things stand with this roster, let's not think about the long term. Let's think about this year. Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison, I think anyway, are pretty much, they're locked into the starting roles. You got AJ Epinesa coming in the year two. He's going to have an increased role. And the Bills signed F.A. Obata, who I've heard a lot of good things about, and the Bills are pretty high on. Bobby Johnson could do some work with this kid. He's got untapped potential as a pro. He's not a prospect. He's a pro now. But anyway, a guy like Rizzo is going to come in. He's going to be that fourth, maybe fifth defensive end. Hell, <laughs> Daryl Johnson would probably be in trouble. He'd be the biggest loser if the Bills take a defensive end early in this draft, I think anyway. So I'm not saying it's going to happen. I just, and he's not my favorite defensive end. I, there's other guys I like more. We're going to talk about a couple of them in a second here. But I do think he's a realistic pick that fits that long-term over short-term vision better uh, when it comes to, to Brandon Bean's insight. Number four, another name that you hear it and you're like, wow, that feels like it's kind of high to take him. But I think it's very realistic. I'm talking about a, another corner, Asante Samuel Jr. from Florida State. I like this kid a lot. He could play inside. He could play outside. He can help this defense in many ways. He's obviously got very good bloodlines. His father was a Pro Bowl cornerback himself. In fact, I'm not, I can't confirm. I think I read this. I think Sean McDermott actually coached his dad at one time. I think in Philly. Anyway, the issue with Asante Samuel Jr., the only issue with him is his size. He's 5'10", 184. That's not big. But if the Bills want a good corner and they're committed to that early and the top four are gone, and I certainly think they're going to be, again, Horn, Sertain, Newsom. Farley, I think they're all gone before 30. They may prefer Asante Samuel Jr. over Eric Stokes if they don't want to like mess around around two and, and worried about getting Samuel at 61 because I don't think that's going to happen. Or maybe they like the versatility of Samuel being able to play slot or outside more than, say, Stokes, who's purely an outside guy. So I personally, for me, again, me personally speaking here, I would prefer that the Bills took someone else at 30. And if they really like Samuel, I think he'll be there in the second round to trade up. You're not getting him at 61, but you could trade up. That would be my personal preference. But again, this isn't necessarily about my personal preference. These are realistic candidates. And I think he's, uh, I think he's very high up there. So I got him all the way at four. 
At number three is a young man that I'm really intrigued by, and that's Jason Oa. This kid is a, a freak athlete. He's really, really talented. But the issue with him is he is big time boomer bust. He's one of those guys, and I've read this. I'm not creating this uh this thought myself. I've read it somewhere else. I don't know who to credit to, but it makes sense. This guy could get you three years from now, he could be getting you 12 sacks a year, or he could be out of the NFL. It's one of those types of players. And a downside is it, it doesn't seem like a great scheme fit, but these kind of guys, he certainly could play a four, three end. So he could develop into that. And again, all that said about the negative, the, the boomer bust, or maybe he's not even in the league in three years, potentially, man, it, you're looking at a, a guy who could be the next JPP or, or Shaq Barrett, that type of game wrecking pass rusher, man, it could just completely obliterate an offense. He's got those physical skills. And I could see when you get to the 30th pick, if there's corners that you don't like at 30 and, and you can't move down and there's defensive ends that you might like more than him, but they're all gone. And for the sake of this discussion with Jason Owa specifically, let's say that the bills are not high on running back or receiver. Like some people, a lot of people think they are. This guy could be worth rolling dice for. He could be worth it. He could be a franchise caliber defensive end. And when you got a good roster, like getting this 30th pick wrong, Aaron um, Quinn has talked about this on my show a couple of times over the last six weeks. The Bills are in a position where if they bust on this 30th pick, it's, it might not be the end of the world. It's not going to set them back five years to bust with a late first round pick. This could be a position to roll the dice. And man, you talk about a guy who could be worth rolling the dice for me, I, I think Jason Owa is, is definitely right up there. So I got him at three. Number two is another defensive end, a guy that I frankly, whether it's my show, my discussions with guests, or listening to other podcasts and other mock drafts and reading them, I don't hear a lot about this dude. Joe Tyron, a defensive end from Washington, and I don't get it because this guy's got Really good size. He's 6'5", 262. Not the fastest dude in the world. He doesn't have like elite athleticism, but he's a strong cat, man. And he's deceptively quick. Like he's fast off the ball. I think, and again, I've said this a few times. I think if the Bills are committed to a defensive end, this might be the most realistic guy that they can get in the first round. If they stay, especially if they stay at 30. Because again, Jalen Phillips gone, Quiddy Pay almost certainly gone, Aziz Adjulari, I think he's gone. So then it might become, all right, so the fourth then, is it Joe Tyron or is it Jason Owen? There's a couple other guys that I'm sure are in the mix too. But for me, the way the Bills operate, I could see it being Joe Tyron a little bit. Maybe his ceiling is not quite as high as Jason Owen, but I think his floor is certainly higher. And it kind of seems to be the Bills AMO with a couple of positions on this football team right now. Like, let's get guys who, worst case, they ain't going to kill you. This is a good developmental guy. You could bring him along a little bit at a position like I talked about, defensive end, where you, I think for this year, you don't really need to rush him too much. So realistically, this guy's very much in play. I got him all the way up at number two. But at number one, and I know this is a 
a lightning rod topic to talk about, a very divisive topic to talk about. And I promise you, he's not number one on my list for effect. He's not number one on my list to give you guys something to, to cheer for or something to yell at me about. I legitimately, in my bones, in my heart right now, feel that Travis Etienne is the most realistic Buffalo Bills draft prospect. For what it's worth, yes, I know what Tom McShay said about the Bills were interested in moving up for him, which I don't buy that, by the way. I've heard, I know Peter King put him in his mock draft as a one and only mock draft this past week. I picked him, me and Aaron picked him in our final Bills mock draft just yesterday. Guess what though? We also picked him in our very first mock draft six weeks ago. So let me throw that out there right now. This is nothing new the way I feel about Travis Etienne. And I think the Bills feel the same way. Look, Travis Etienne is a home run hitter. I mean, what can I say about his skill that hasn't already been said by other people? And I know the criticism, poor value, Drafting a running back in the first round is a bad idea and running backs don't get or shouldn't get second contracts. I agree about that part, but you know what? I don't care. I don't give a shit. I mean, (laughs) I don't give a shit. All right. Give me an offensive game changer for the next four to five years and I'll draft another one every presidential election for all I care. And I'll do it gladly. You give me a guy who can make plays for four or five years, like Travis Etienne, are you kidding me? you kidding me right now? He makes the offense better. Instantly. He can run the ball. And by the way, I hate, Aaron Quinn said this on the podcast just yesterday. I freaking hate the CJ Spiller comparisons. That shit is lazy. Do your homework. He's fast. He went to Clemson. They're around the same size. They're both fast. That's where the shit ends. That's where it ends. Travis Etienne is a better running back. He has better vision. We already know what a huge threat he is in the passing game. And he could help Josh Allen take less hits. Which, by the way, I I saw um, Benjamin Albright tweet about that this week as well. It's just, I don't know, man. To me, he is a clear and present upgrade to me over Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. (laughs) It's not even close. All right, Joe Tyron, Jason Owa, these defensive ends that we talked about, they might eventually become star players. Okay, I get that. Asante Samuel Jr., uh, Eric Stokes, these corners, they might eventually become significantly better than Levi Wallace. I'm talking about day one, man, day one. If Travis Etienne is on this football team, he's your number one running back. He's a a weapon. He is a weapon. And I know a lot of people are getting mad because they say, don't call him a running back, call him a weapon. I have said that and I've been criticized for it, but I stand by it. This guy could be a game changer for the offense. He could be a game changer for the offense. The only other guy on this list, if he were healthy, I probably would have it. Number one is Landon Dickerson just because of the fit. It's a position that I'm talking about guard here, guard slash center. It's a great football fit. It's a great value pick too. Travis Etienne admittedly is not the best value pick, but the Bills are a 13 and three football team right now. 
a team that played in the AFC Championship, and a team that needs to find a way to get over the hump to beat the Chiefs. And sure, absolutely, if you get a defensive end who can get after the quarterback better, make life miserable for Mahomes, that helps. Absolutely. We saw Tampa Bay doing the Super Bowl against a pair of backup tackles, by the way. Obviously, having a, a better corner to try to shut down Tyreek Hill and Hardman and the 10 million other receivers from the Chiefs that just take turns having big games besides Tyreek Hill, not to mention, of course, Travis Kelsey. Yes, I'd love to have a better corner. But I also subscribe to the mindset, the best way to beat the Chiefs, freaking outscore them. That Tampa Bay Super Bowl aside, outscore them. The Bills' offense already is great, so I get the, you don't need. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Travis Etienne sentiments. I get that. But it could even be better. Not to mention a guy like ATM with an offensive mind like Brian Dable. I love it. I love it. Keep that offense on the field more. Keep the Chiefs offense off the field more. Score more points. Win the game. I think Travis ATN, in my opinion, not only is Travis ATN my most desired prospect for the Bills, I honestly think at this point right now that as things stand, if they stay at 30 and don't move up for a defensive end or corner, I think he's also the most realistic. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. As for a couple things that I've learned through doing these six box drafts that Aaron and I have done on Wednesdays, as well as watching and reading and listening to other people's mock drafts. I think I've learned three things. Number one, and I'll go round by round. I think round one ultimately is going to come down to running back or defensive end. I think if no defensive end is there at 30 that you really like, like maybe the Bills don't really like Tyron or maybe they're too scared off about Owen. The top three are gone. And maybe a couple guys that they might like for a round two trade-up, like say 
Greg Rizzo or, or Carlos Basham from Wake Forest or, or Peyton Turner from Houston. Let's say they like those guys, but they can't get up to get them. And they're in a position where they can't get one of those guys. I think defensive end could be a position that they end up punting this year, which to be fair, it wouldn't be the end of the world, folks. It wouldn't be. Because again, you get a rookie this year, he's not going to contribute all that much. Not probably anyway. Because you got Hughes, you got Addison, you got Obata, you got Epinesa, you got Daryl Johnson already. So a rookie's going to have a tough time cracking this lineup and getting significant playing time. So, And I know Brandon Bean is all about long-term, more than short-term. I get all that. But my point is, if you don't get a defensive end early this year, you may just be better off punting the position to to 2022. And I, it brings me back to what I said with him being my number one pick. I, I still think, I still think Travis ATN is, is going to be the guy. I think he's going to be there and, and I think he's going to be the guy. So anyway, that's one thing I've learned. The other thing I've learned in round two, I think round two is a great spot to go at their corner. I think it's Ate Samuel Jr. If you don't take him at 30, you think that's a little too rich. You try to move up and get him in round two. But let's say that's not a, a realistic option and, and it can't happen. There's a couple corners that I like a lot. If the Bills, maybe one of the two, at least anyway, should fall to them, hopefully at, at 61. I think Elijah Molden, a corner from Washington, is a really good pick. Not that big, 5'10", 191. But he's a potentially, anyway, a really good nickel slot and eventually could even play some safety. I've even heard a couple Honey Badger comparisons. I mean, this dude brings it. I like him. And then there's another corner uh, from Syracuse, Afete Melifanyu. I think I said, you know what? If I said his name right, that'd be the first time this whole entire offseason that I said his name right. But anyway, dude's 6'2". He's got good length. He's a good fit. He's an outside corner. He's not an inside corner like Asante Samuel or Elijah Molden. So he would be purely an outside guy like a Levi Wallace. Well, obviously, Melifanyu would come in and, and challenge him right away. So I think you could get a guy in Melifanyu at 60, uh, 61, who could potentially start, certainly challenge for a starting position right away. So I think round two is a great spot to get a corner. And then the other thing I've learned is I think round three is a sneaky good spot to try to get yourself a safety. You know, for this whole Bills offseason, for the most part, it's been you lose a guy, you replace a guy. You lose a guy, you replace a guy. How much of an upgrade? That's Another debate, I mean, I think generally speaking, everyone considers Sanders an upgrade over Brown. Certainly Trubisky is an upgrade over Matt Barkley. But the one position where the Bills lost talent and gained no talent is at safety. Dean Marlowe went to the Detroit Lions and the Bills have quite literally done nothing to replace him to this point. I think that the draft and I think round three could be a great spot to add some safety death behind Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. Devin Diablo is a guy that I've heard Eric Turner from Cover One just rave about. One of those like kind of take your head off type safeties. Not the most athletic guy, but a good versatile guy. I think that would be a great pick for the Bills in round three. And then another guy is a guy that uh, Aaron Quinn and I have drafted in our last two mock drafts. Uh, Hamsa. Nazaruddin from Florida State. 6'3", great length. He's one of those positionalist, like matchup type guys. He doesn't really have a set position. Uh, the Bills were interested in one last year. I remember that pretty well. Kyle Duger, who ended up going to New England. So it's not unthought of for the Bills to target that type of player. 
I don't know if it'll come to fruition. But anyway, regardless, those are the three things that I, I feel like from being parts of mock drafts and watching a lot of them, I think defensive end comes really early or they punt it. Or, I mean, they could get a prospect guy in the mid rounds, but don't count on him for nothing if you do that this year. And like I said, I think round two is a great spot to target a corner. And I think round three is a sneaky good spot to target a, a safety. After that, I mean, who knows? Maybe you could package, because the Bills don't have a fourth, but they got two fifths. Maybe you could package both fourths to, I'm sorry, both fifths to get into the fourth and get yourself a good developmental big man, whether it's a, an offensive guard or, or a defensive tackle, or maybe an edge guy like Rashad Weaver. Like I said, for the most part, I'd be willing to punt defensive end, but Rashad Weaver is a, an intriguing prospect for the Bills. I know that the thought is you want cheap labor because the Bills cap situation, not to mention Josh Allen is going to get his aid. Tremaine Evans is going to get money. Stephon Diggs is ultimately going to get more money. So you want cheap contracts, but here's the problem. You can't go drafting eight, nine guys because they ain't going to make the roster. This team's good. There's only 53 men on this roster. There ain't six, seven, eight spots for rookies this year. Not on this team. So I'd be good with losing both fifths to, to get a fourth. A guy who, you know, you come away with four, you know, four guys in the first four rounds and then maybe a seventh round guy, I'll, I'll take a flyer on them. I'm good with that. So those are things I've learned through the draft. And I also think that there's a couple of questions regarding this current roster that'll be answered starting tonight and over these next couple of days with this draft. Three of them specifically that I think. The biggest one, and we spent a lot of time talking about Travis Etienne. That means we're going to learn what the Buffalo Bills actually really think of Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. More specifically, I think anyway, Devin Singletary. Because, I mean, look, if the Bills go out and they draft Travis Etienne or, or Najee Harris, I mean, Devin Singletary's, for the most part, if his role's not completely depleted, it's going to be cut down big time. His days might be numbered. Hell, if the Bills draft Travis Etienne tonight, Devin Singletary might be a former Buffalo Bill by the weekend. Maybe they trade him somewhere, try to get something for him. There would not be much of a need at best. At best, if the Bills get ATN or, or Najee Harris, Devin Singletary becomes last year and the year before that's TJ Yeldon. Because I think Zach Moss is your number two. If you go out and get a guy in the first round tonight, I think Zach Moss is your number two. Better short yardage, yardage runner. He could catch the ball out of the backfield. Pretty good pass blocker. I think he's got a, a better few. I just, I have felt since last year going into this offseason, the Bills have trust issues with Devin Singletary. I personally don't buy what Brandon Bean has said, how much he likes his running backs. And we'll find out. So that's one question that'll be answered. Another one is a position we haven't even talked about today. Wide receiver. Is Isaiah Hodgkins, a guy that they drafted last year in the sixth round, is he their rookie project receiver for this year? If the Bills don't draft a receiver, that shows me that they got confidence in Isaiah Hodgkins. The kid was a six-rounder last year, didn't play, hurt his shoulder. In fact, I think he had uh, shoulder surgery. I remember Bruce Nolan being on this show and telling me at the time of the draft 
he liked Hodgkins, who was drafted in the sixth round, more than he liked Gabe Davis, who was drafted in the fourth. Hodgkins is a hands guy. He's got great hands, great ball skills, but he's not a burner. He ain't stretching the field. He's not really good at separation. But still, the Bills have their top four receivers. McKenzie is arguably their fifth. They don't get someone else in this draft. I think for me, that's a good sign for Isaiah Hodgkins and potentially his future. And then the last question revolves two current starters, uh, John Feliciano and Levi Wallace. Are they safe? Are they going into camp firmly entrenched in starting roles? Well, we're going to find that out. We're going to find that out, I'd say, tonight and Friday. Because if you're a day one or a day two pick, you're coming to camp to challenge for a starting spot. And I think right now on this roster, right guard and CB2 are probably the two starting positions that I feel have the lightest grip on those starting roles right now, Feliciano and Wallace. And it's not that I don't like them. They're both high floor, low ceiling players. Like you could do a lot worse than Feliciano playing guard or Levi Wallace playing corner. But I think you could also do a lot better. So they're, I don't want to say their future, but certainly their role for this year may be defined in part at least by uh, what happens over this next 24 to, to 48 hours. So Singletary and Moss, is Brandon Bean serious when he says that he really likes him a lot? Is Isaiah Hodgkins, does he have a great chance to be part of this team's future? And Feliciano and Levi Wallace, are their jobs safe? Those are Bill's questions that I think are about to be answered starting tonight and for the next couple of days with this draft. Last but not least, and I'm going to get out of here. I just got a couple quick draft predictions. These are things that I personally feel I don't have any sources, no inside information, just guesses, hunches, gut feelings, whatever you want to call them, that I think are going to happen uh, throughout the course of this draft and maybe a day or so following it. One of them, I think the 49ers at pick three, I think they're taking Trey Vance over Mac Jones. I know Mac Jones is the, I think he's the betting favorite still. I just, look, there's bigger risk with Vance than there is with Mac Jones, but your boy's got some like Pat Mahomes in him, man. He's got some, he's got some Josh Allen in him. I, you, you move from 12 to three, man, you better swing for the fences. You know what I'm saying? Trey Vance is swinging for the fences. Mac Jones, while a good quarterback, he's not. He's not. I, I just don't see moving all the way up from 12 to three to go try to get a Mac Jones. You got to get Trey Vance. I also, Justin Fields, but for whatever reason, everything we're hearing suggests that teams are not as high on him as a lot of uh, draft pundits and, and TV analysts for whatever reason. Regardless, so I, I think Trey Vance is going to Frisco. So that's a prediction. I think, speaking of Justin Fields, I think the New England Patriots are going to either trade up for him or they're going to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo over the next couple of days. One of those two. Not sure which one, but one of those two. Look, Bill Belichick's career is winding down in New England, and they didn't make all this noise in the offseason, spend all this money, make all these moves to have Cam Newton, who I'm sorry, man. I ain't talking about former MVP Cam Newton. 
I'm talking about the cam I saw last year. Dude who looked like his arm was going to fall off every time he threw a football. He is brutal at this point of his career. Is he going to get better? Is his arm going to get stronger? I doubt it. He's not a good passer of the football. Not anymore. And I don't see the Patriots going out and spending big money on two tight ends, two receivers, investing everything they have to trust Cam Newton. I don't care if he's a QB1 right now. I don't think he's going to be the QB1 much longer. So I think they're going to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo or they're going to trade up and get Justin Fields, who maybe he doesn't start week one, but he'll start soon enough. So that's a prediction. I talked about Mac Jones. I think Mac Jones is going to end up with Denver. I think Denver is going to, who drafts nine, I think they're going to move up a couple spots to get him, like seven. I'm, let's say seven. I think they're going to go up to seven with Detroit, move up two spots to get Mac Jones. And then I think Justin Fields, maybe like eight or 10, somewhere in that, but maybe 11. I can see the Patriots moving up to try to get Fields, who I think will be the fifth corner or quarterback, I should say, to go off the board. But yeah. Mac Jones ends up with Denver. I think he's better than Drew Locke, and I think John Elway will be happier with him. And then let's end with two veteran moves, two trades here. I think Julio Jones, when it's all said and done, I think he's going to be a Baltimore Raven before this week's over. It just feels, I know the Falcons are in cap trouble, and there's all kinds of rumors. What a great fit he'd be for Baltimore. What a help he would be for that offense in Lamar Jackson. It just sounds too good to be true. But it could happen. I think it's going to. So Julio Jones goes to Baltimore. And here it is, my last one. I saved this for last. Who's a guy that we haven't talked about this entire episode? I even mentioned his name once. Dawson Knox. You know why? The Bills aren't drafting a tight end during his draft. So he ain't got to worry about that. But here's what he's going to have to worry about. I'm predicting that Zach Ertz ultimately does get traded to the Buffalo Bills sometime during his draft. Whether it's the Bills give up a fifth this year and maybe a fifth next year or a fourth next year or some kind of pick swap later in the draft, but they're going to get it done. Philly's been playing chicken with Buffalo for quite a while. The Bills' interest in Zach Ertz has never waned. And don't let Jacob Hollister signing distract you from thinking that the Bills have no more interest in Zach Ertz because they do. I'm telling you, they do. I'm not saying for sure it's going to get done. I'm just predicting that. But I'm tell- I am telling you, that the Bills do still have interest in Zach Ertz, for sure. I think it's going to get done. I think Philly ultimately realizes they're going to have to trade him or eat that money. And they got a lot of, they need players. They want to rebuild. And getting two picks, you know, mid-round picks for a guy who's only going to be there one more year anyway, I, I think it's the right move for Philly. Ultimately, I think they do it. So if I'm right here, if I'm right with this draft prediction or trade prediction, and I'm right with the number one most realistic Buffalo Bill come the first round of this draft. You're looking at a Buffalo Bills offense, folks. Week one, where you have Emmanuel Sanders in over John Brown. You have, instead of Devin Singletary, you have Travis Etienne. And instead of Dawson Knox, you have Zach Ertz. So you had Zach Ertz, you had Travis Etienne, and you had Emmanuel Sanders to an offense that already was one of the best in the NFL to begin with. That's going to be fun. Anyway, I'm not going to keep you any longer. Thank you very, very much for listening. Tomorrow, I am going to be here with Anthony Marino from Buffalo Rumblings. No matter what the Buffalo Bills do, even if they trade down and don't do anything at all tonight, we'll talk about what the Bills do or don't do. 
We will discuss some of the major trades or just picks that went on from the NFL tonight. Again, Anthony Marino from Buffalo Rumblings. He'll be on tomorrow. Guys, thanks so much for listening. Appreciate your time. Have fun. NFL Draft, man. Best time of the year. Talk to you tomorrow.